This is the Truth for the Matters podcast, and welcome back to another edition of Bible Study Reflection Solo with Friends. This is episode 119. I'm your host, Jonathan. For those who are unfamiliar with the segment, let me give you a quick background story. So it was inspired by a Bible study that I had with two of my best friends once a week. Basically, we would choose a book in a Bible to unpack together, choose two or three chapters, read them individually, and see what we can unpack by ourselves. Then we will come together, fellowship with one another, learn about what we believe God has revealed to us individually, and learn from one another and see what God can reveal with both of us present. Remember, scripture says that anytime two or three are gathered, there am I in your midst. Now, what I concluded from these talks is I will still be full of knowledge, information, curiosity about a lot of things. So I decided to create this segment because Bible study reflection solo with a friend or friends is to help grow and fellowship with others. If you are open to fellowshipping with me on the next episode, hit me up on TikTok or Instagram. And that is the truth of T-M-I-S. Again, it's the truth of T-M-I-S. You can also reach me on my Facebook group called I'm a Believer. Again, it's called I'm a Believer. And finally, you can reach out to me through email. Speed, E-D at the end of it, 83 at gmail.com. So it's speed it. 83 at gmail.com and I'll be sure to put that in the show notes looking forward to hearing from some of you so obviously today is Labor Day happy Labor Day and I'm praying that everybody has an amazing time whether you're hanging out with friends family in any form of a gathering setting or you're going out to eat just be careful be cautious drive safe if you're drunk don't get behind the wheel, take an Uber or a Lyft. And of course, those who are going back to school, I want to make sure that we pray for them as well. Whether you're in college, high school, middle school, any form of education, I want to make sure that you prioritize praying and looking forward to going throughout the new, throughout the school year, learning and retaining information to help elevate where you will be in the society in terms of potentially going to college or potentially getting a job or potentially starting your own business. Education is vital and it's important to help elevate the way you think and the way you process things. So today is a solo episode, a lot to get to. And of course, we're going to pray first and foremost. Now, there's something that I've added on to the segment, and that was I wanted to mention two things that I believe God has blessed me through this past week. Now, obviously, it would be a lesson and is a teachable moment. So I'm going to actually bring those up after I pray because there are some scriptures attached to it. But first, I want to invite the Holy Spirit into this conversation. And of course, those who are listening will actually become the second party into this conversation. So we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for being a pillar and anchor in our lives. We thank you so much because 
We know in this evil world, there needs to be light, and our light is you, so that we can know where to go and where we can be led out of the darkness so that we can see and then we can act and move in accordance to what we were called for. Lord, you told us live a life worthy of our calling. And the closest way we'll get to know what our calling is is to have a relationship with you, Lord. We thank you. We honor you. We give you the glory, honor, and praise, not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. Lord, we know that your word is foundational. It's truth. It's full of life. And Lord, you know that us in this world need life. And we need the proper approaches necessary to deal with the situations and circumstances that arrive. So Lord, let us be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger is not the righteousness that you desire for us. But let us take the information that you have provided for us. And let us add context and understanding to it. And how it relates to our current situation, wherever that may be. Lord, we appreciate you. We thank you. And as we go throughout this conversation today, I pray all eyes to be open, all ears to hear, all minds to receive, and all hearts to understand how your word could be implemented in our lives daily. Not just one or two days, but constantly on a regular basis. Lord, we say these things in Jesus' name. We pray. So, thank you so much for joining me today. Obviously, I'm solo, but I believe we can learn a lot in this conversation. So, first, I want to tell you the two ways I believe the Lord has blessed me this past week. One, I actually was treated and invited out to a Liberty Women's Basketball game. Not only that, I got the opportunity to experience VIP access. It's the first time that I've ever experienced a VIP access. And let me tell you, it's a great experience. Being able to enter this, the, the arena at a different location, being, being provided and given free things. Shout out to Jen because she's the one that got me access to it. I was a little bit timid. Didn't, didn't really know how it would actually go. But once I got in there, it was a eye-opened experience. You get an opportunity to see how people get treated when they're in a different category, among others who basically purchase regular games. I sort of see why people enjoy the stardom treatment, right? Just wanting to remain in that sort of atmosphere and environment to make you feel good about yourself, make you feel good about you know your experience. And those who can afford season tickets, right? Having that access and that opportunity to enjoy yourself on a Friday, on a Saturday during the week, this makes you feel good, right? And that's what I was able to experience there. I can also say one of the things that I thought was interesting is that there weren't a lot of people that I felt were there for the game. They were just there for the experience. They were there for the environment. They were there because it was a place to be. And, you know, I must say, women's basketball is just as entertaining as men's basketball. Obviously, maybe the stardom, the star 
athletes that we see in men's basketball aren't as prevalent but they can bowl they can play well and i appreciated the experience it was an amazing experience now the one thing that i would say annoyed me and that's kind of attached to what i was saying is that you just had a lot of people that were there just to be there because we were probably about three rows away from the court itself and you just have people walking back and forth back and forth like they had add they couldn't sit down and relax back and forth and i'm like are you here for the game or are you here for an environment so that was probably the thing that they didn't quite like the food was, was pretty solid pretty stable right accessible for all people to have and that's something that a point that jen made you don't want to make it too spicy you don't want to make it too seasoned you don't want to do too much of anything right because not everybody has the same appetite or taste buds so you want to make it pretty neutral so that everybody can enjoy it right and no one makes food like you if you're a cook or like your mom or dad if they're cooked as well so that was the great experience that i had and maybe sometime in the future i hope to have an experience like that again it was it was really cool now the second way that god blessed me last week was that my car rode well during the hangout on that friday afternoon all the way into the night now i know what you might be saying is that really a blessing for me it is why because i'm not driving a 2023 2020 car i'm driving a 2003 Honda accord ex i'm proud of it it's a car it's my second car the other one that i've used and fixed up was my mom's car was a 1999 kia sophia so it's a step up for me but it's always important that if a friend of yours comes to you you want to be able to ride around comfortably and enjoy the experience and i want to say you know just being able to ride comfortably with a good conscience is a blessing in itself and obviously when you have or you're blessed with finances you'll be able to ride around and whatever suits you and i just want to say the most embarrassing thing is to have somebody riding with you and you're on your way to an event and you know, something happens to your car and you gotta call triple a or roadside service if you don't have the membership for triple a and it could be embarrassing and I would say that's one of the things that I hope would never happen. Now, if it happens and I'm in the car by myself, I can manage it. It's fine. It's still embarrassing, but not as much when someone is tagging along and they're with you. So I would say that was a blessing. And it was a blessing because everything went smoothly. Car rode well. We went. We came back. Great Friday. Now. The reason why I bring this up is because this there was actually something that I saw yesterday as I worked. And that was obviously for those who don't know, I do Uber Eats. And I was on a job to a pickup at CVS. And as I parked my car and I approached the store, I saw a gentleman. And this gentleman needed a jump. And instantly, my first thought was I wanted to help him. But unfortunately, I'm on the clock. Time is ticking. I need to shop and pay for these items. 
So my second thought was like, you know what? I'll go in here and do this real quick. I'll come out and as I'm going to complete the order and drive to the destination of the customer, I'll be able to give him a jump. And, you know, a couple of verses around this issue came to mind, which is why I brought up how this could be a teaching moment and how we shouldn't ignore situations like this. Because I think in life, there's always opportunities to be able to present Christ to someone else, right? It's important that as ambassadors and representatives of Christ, the things we do, the choices we make are reflective of what Christ would have done. He's no longer here on earth, but he resides in the heart of the believer that has accepted him. So that was the first thought that came to mind. So I want to read this verse to you, and I'm explain to you how these verses ultimately led to a specific verse that I think undeniably provides the best example needed to really truly comprehend it in its, in its entirety. So I want to go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25, and I want to look at verses 35 through 40, because this is very essential and important. For it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king, who is Jesus, or God in this scenario, the king replied, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Very powerful verse here in, in its context entirely, because it really speaks to the fact that as believers, we have a responsibility that if we see someone in help and in need, we should lend a hand. That is the basic practical stance of what a Christian is called to do. Not to turn a deaf ear or a blind eye, but if someone needs help, we should offer our assistance in good faith. Now, these other voices sort of give you a context of what the Christian is called to do, and then ultimately there's a verse that I want to ultimately get to, and then there's another passage that actually gives a prime example of what Christ did in this scenario when he was called out to. So I want to take you to 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. Again, it's 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So I want to stop there. And I want to think about what this passage is really saying. It's saying the experience of God no one has ever had, obviously, 
we're talking present tense, past tense, Jesus was God in the flesh. And we know this based upon the conversation that Jesus ultimately had with Thomas when he says, show us the father. And he says, do you not believe the father is in me? Right. That's a whole nother conversation. But you get the gist if you've been in the book. There was an episode we did here on the Truth and the Matters podcast, and that was episode four, how to experience God's love. And I talked about the connection between Gideon and the connection between the gospel of John chapter one, verse five, where it talks about who God sends both individuals, not only to solve human issues, but to also lead the way for the coming of the Christ. And I'm talking about the gospel of John. Gideon, obviously, there were things happening within his own tribe. And the issues he was complaining and murmuring to God about it. And God reassured him and said, am I not sending you? So that shows the power and influence that humans have where God sends people who are gifted and talent, talented in those areas to go solve issues or bring about some sort of clarity and environments that is called for. But I want you to see that God living in us, his love is made complete in us. It's because we have the ability to love. And care for those who are in need. And I love that God has happens to us. That's why the two most important commandments says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because it doesn't tell you that you have to love yourself first. It says love God first. And when you love God first, and God can love through you, and that impact then twinkles down to all the relationships and associations that you have with other people. Very essential, very important that by loving God first, he can love through you. This is not a selfish approach. Of course, you love yourself. We learned that where Jesus is giving us an example in Ephesians chapter 5, that we ought to love our wives like Christ loved the church. That's the relationship aspect of it. But it also speaks about loving yourself, which then makes sense on how you can love others, right? And I'm taking that out of the context to say that no one doesn't love themselves at all. You have to love yourself because if you don't know how you love yourself, then you shouldn't want that person loving you, right? That's problematic. That's nonsensical. That's questionable. We don't want those sort of things. But I just want you to see the importance on loving one another. Now, this is a very important passage right here. And it's in the Gospel of John. Chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, and then we'll get ultimately to the two verses that I want to get to so that we can see how this teaching moment can then impact us the way we think moving forward. So Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, and it says, a new command I give you. It's a new command that Jesus is given. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know. That you are my disciples if you love one another. So that's the commandment. God loved his disciples. And as a result, as disciples, you are to love yourself and also love others. But of course, love others as you love yourself. Same way, equal. And this is very important as well because when it comes to who we are in Christ, Right. This is in the context of the relationship or conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples. And as we have become disciples of Christ, that conversation now becomes preview to us because now we are in that category as 
disciples of Christ, right? As ministers of reconciliation, as in, you know, I believe it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 23, for the context of those who are curious to want to know what I'm talking about. It's important that we love one another. And by doing that, the practical application of the, what we do by practicing it then allows people to see where we get in it from where is the theology the ideal the ideological aspect coming from and it's rooted in in biblical and christian principles is rooted in the gospel message which isn't just a personal transformation but it's also a community reform aspect as well very important verse here so this is the two verses that i wanted to get to ultimately and how it can be applied and thoughtful in the situation that I was previewed to seeing yesterday. So we're going to go to 1 John chapter 3. We only got verses 17 to 18. No specific translation. I'm, for situations like this, I just use the basic NIV because it's saying the same thing. There is no, nothing complicated or something I want to dig deeper into the translations as of right now. Just trying to get the best and the basic overall message and theme of what's being done here. First John chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. It says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So clearly, you have material possessions which means if you have the ability to be of help to somebody and you see that they are in need but you turn a deaf ear and a blind eye the truth of the matter is how can you say that the love of god is in you you can't say that and the reason why you can't say that is because we have examples through scripture where jesus sees things right it's important that you understand that every time we see jesus in the Gospel of John, we ought to see God. We learn, obviously, that Jesus is the exact representation and the visual image and radiance of who God is in the flesh. So because of that, it's important that we understand that when we see Jesus, we also have to see God in this instance because Jesus is providing an example of what we should mirror and also accept as the example that we need to model our lives after. And it was interesting because when I what I saw was almost a travesty. I saw a man who also had money, and I saw him begging and asking, can somebody help me? Can somebody help me? And based upon what I saw, he was being ignored. Now, anybody that lives in New York City knows that that is the typical behavior in most instances. People are going about their objective throughout the day, and they pay no attention to you. And I know this because I've been riding public transportation in New York for a long time. And having gone up to Spanish Harlem in middle school and having gone to a school close to Coleani for high school, this is the norm. This is what people do on a regular basis. They go about their business. They see people struggling. And quite often, they're ignored. There is no sense of acknowledgement. 
And I want to say as followers of Christ, it's important that we don't do those sorts of things. Now, I know we can't help everybody every chance we get. But with an opportunity and you can, why not? Right? As the passage I read to you in Matthew 25, what you've done for the least of these, you've done for God. And the interesting thing is you never know if you're entertaining angels. You never know. You never know. You may be entertaining angels. They may be amongst us. They may be help. And you don't know. So it's important that I mention this to you. Now, this is the story and the example that's provided in Scripture where this sort of situation was sort of presented almost similar to what I saw yesterday. And it'd be mistaken not to mention it. So I'm go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Again, Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And it says, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, and were leaving the city. A blind, name, a blind man named Barabbas, or Barnabas, which means son of Tamamis, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throw his coat aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So interesting enough for those who are music lovers. There's a song by Fred Hammond called Please Don't Pass Me By. I'll be sure to put that in the notes. Again, it's called Please Don't Pass Me By by Fred Hammond. You might want to check that song out because it's very important to see how that song was inspirational for Fred Hammond to write about this exact story. But I bring up this story is because Jesus heard the cry for help. Interesting enough, you have people that told him, told him to be quiet, and he understood that his circumstances needed attending to. He understood who Jesus was and what he was doing, and therefore his faith and the possibility and hope and the possibility of seeing again is what he pursued after. And it's because of that he was granted the opportunity to see again. And I say this because all I can think about was how the man that I saw yesterday cry out for help. And as ambassadors and representatives of Christ, it would be hard for me to believe that there wasn't a so-called Christian that saw this and ignored him. There's a high possibility that they did, right? Because we know that Christianity and the way some view it as a religion has been taken over a lot. But in terms of what we're called to do and how we're called to live, not just carry the title, 
but to actually live by the principles and the standards that Jesus set up for us to follow in the footstep of. We tend to ignore those things conveniently. But Jesus heard it, he addressed it, and as a result, the man became a follower instantly because he was of the benefit of a miracle. So I wanted to bring that up, and I want you to think moving forward, if I can help them, if it's in my ability, do so. And the important thing about this song, and I mentioned earlier about, I want to mention it now, is we did an episode called I'd Experienced God's Love, and it was a song written by Kurt Franklin called The Last Jesus. And it speaks about being able to help people that are in need, not turning a deaf ear. And rather than looking for somebody else to make up for it, taking it upon yourselves to help them. And I think if we have that mentality that someone will eventually help, we overlook the possibility of what we're capable of doing. So I would think that you should look within yourself and what you're capable of doing. And that is what will help you reconcile if you have the ability to assist others. And sometimes you got to understand that a little help is what a person needs, not a whole lot. If you think about it, if we all did a little bit of something for somebody, none of us will have to go over top and do a lot, right? If we all did a little bit, no one would have to do a lot. So that's what I thought about. Now on to the Bible study reflection that I'm going to be discussing today. It comes out of the book of Psalms. And, you know, I'm actually growing to like the book. I remember when I first started reading the Bible, the book of Psalms was very long and didn't quite capture my attention for the most part. Right now, I'm in the midst of reading it with my friend Eric. And we actually took a look at Psalms 25 to 27 earlier yesterday morning. And it was a great experience. Anytime I'm discussing scripture with Eric, it's beautiful because we read independently. We come together and the perspective that one another one another has is always amazing because that's the beautiful thing about fellowship. You're seeing something one way. You come to fellowship with someone else. God reveals something else completely different that you didn't take in consideration or thought of. And that's the beautiful thing about growing in fellowship. And about allowing the Holy Spirit to be present during these times because that's when we grow and mature in our faith. So this is something I didn't mention to him. And I've already mentioned two songs thus far by two artists. And I want to mention a third. So it was interesting. And this is something that I noticed instantly. In Psalms 27.1, the first verse actually seems to be a verse that it's mentioned in the song by a gospel artist of William Murphy. And the name of the song is Everlasting God. So for those who are gospel lovers, I want to mention this and I'll put this in the show notes as well. The artist is called William Murphy and the name of the song is Everlasting God. Might want to check that song out. Amazing song. I enjoy it. And the verse simply says this. Psalms 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
powerful verse. Powerful verse. So I want to mention that before we get into what we're talking about today. And I hope that you check out these songs. Again, I will put them in the show notes. Now, I just want to talk about Psalms chapter 1, the whole chapter. Because it's very interesting and fascinating to me. It's only six verses, so we'll be able to fly through them. And I want to also recommend some scriptures that I thought about in relation to it and how it's something that we should reflect upon. I reflected upon it, and that's why I'm sharing it with you today. So let's go there. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And it says, Oh, the joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners. Or join with markets. By the way, this is the NLT. So I'm switching over to the NLT. I'll start over again. So now you know what translations I'm looking at it. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, NLT. Oh, the joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join with markets. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating it on it day and night meditating on it day and night they are like trees planted along the river bank bearing fruit each season their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do but not the wicked they are like worthless shaft scattered by the wind they will be condemned at the time of judgment sinners will have no place among the godly for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So first thing I want to talk about is I want to bring the, the practicality into this. There's a difference between a benevolent spirit and a benevolent spirit. And I want to go over that real quick before we press forward. A benevolent spirit, a benevolent spirit wants to do right by you. A benevolent spirit has some form of godliness, helpful assistance, support, love, encouragement, and wants to strengthen you. So when you encounter people like that, just know that they're looking for your best. They don't have to necessarily be Christians, but there's a passage in Romans 8.28, all things work together for those who love the Lord and accord according to your purpose. So you will encounter people that want the best for you want to assist you and sometimes it's just the fact that they've been down the road where you are they know that you need assistance they know that you need relationship they know that you need something and they see something in you that they want to help and be partakers of and as a result of that you have to be able to discern that and welcome them in don't turn a deaf ear remember some of the best connections and relationships that you have aren't always necessarily those that have the same faith in you, but there are core principles that you might share that they can appreciate, and then it becomes very digestible when it comes to wanting to do business with you. Don't ignore those things. The key thing is discernment when it comes to that. The next thing I want to talk about is a benevolent spirit. Now, a benevolent spirit is a person that looks to harm you. They want to create an unwanted environment with conflict, confusion. They make you worry. They make you panic. And they're very argumentative in a negative fashion. These are individuals that can be under the category of what wickedness looks like. 
you have to understand in this world, there are a lot of things that don't come from God. And we can go into that in First John where it talks about the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh are things that you have to contend with. And there are people who thrive and want to stay within those barriers of living. And these are wicked people you have to be mindful of. Now, I want to give you some practical words, terms that I've thought of when defining the wicked. Because what I did is when we read the first verse, it says, Oh, the joy of those who do not follow the vice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers. And I want to give you some words to think about because I believe these words will describe some of the people that are of the malevolent spirit that you should be watchful of. And then, of course, we're going to get into the scripture. But again, I'm a philosopher at heart, so I want to give you some of these terms, and I want you to receive them into your spirit so that you can be on watch when you encounter these people. And then, of course, we'll go to the scripture. So I thought about this, and I said, a wicked person is re- remorseless we know what it means to be remorseful but a wicked person is remorseless wicked people avoid responsibility and accountability wicked people enjoy the misfortune and the suffering of others They lie tellers constantly. They're control freaks. They're manipulators. They hide their true selves and live double lives. Now we know those who are wicked tend to do this quite often. It's a behavior that they exhibit because they can't decide who they want to be, and therefore they tear them up in two different or three or four different ways in order to get the best out of the people around them. Be cautious of those people. They truly can't be their authentic selves, but they find value in being other people for the time being. You get a sense of awkwardness and strangeness when you're around them. I'm going to say that again. You feel awkward. And you get a sense of strangeness when you're around them. They bring about confusion and conflict that follows them. So if you're around people, a person that's always bringing about confusion and conflict, we know that those are benevolent spirits. Or excuse me, those are benevolent spirits. Not benevolent, benevolent spirits. And they denied, they deny a sense of reality. What do I mean, right? I always bring this up is that in life there is always a promise. With a promise, there's a threat. There is always opportunity. With opportunity comes opposition. We can't deny those things. We can't deny that there are fixed realities, right? There are kingdoms that rise and fall governments that rise and fall 
is a process of how we grow up from adulthood, elder years, and eventually dying. That's, you know, your uncertainty and insecurities about who we are as human beings. That's the human condition. And we're limited in our knowledge. And life is very unpredictable. The nature about life is very unpredictable. And I brought that up in the mentions of the fact of feeling blessed when I was able to ride around in my car Friday and nothing happened. Why? Because it's very unpredictable. Of course, we want to think about such things that are true, noble, pure, right, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, meditate on such things. But the unpredictability about life is that everything can be going well and then something springs up right away. And that's not something that can be blamed on the devil or can be blamed on God. It's just a coincidence in some cases, not always. But the thing about a car is a machine. Things break down. Roads are not always smooth, right? Anyone that's owned a remote knows that the batteries die eventually. So there are things that need minor adjustments so that it can continue to work. That should be always something that you should be an understanding of. Now that I've given you some practicalities, let's look at this verse again, and then I want to provide some biblical texts for it. So let's go again. Let's go to Psalms chapter 1. It says, Oh, the joy of those who do not follow the vice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join with mockers. And the first passage that came to mind when I read this was, read this was Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. And I want you to hear what it says. It says, those who are following Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, and it says this. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So I'll give you some practical things, and it aligns very much with this, and it aligns very much with Psalms 1, right? All the joy of those who do not follow the vice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers. So if you're standing around with sinners or join with mockers, eventually you'll see that some of the things they do are what's provided in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Right? Lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that rush into evil. Right? When you're bored, you end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. A person who stirs up conflict in the community. Right? Lying. These are the things that go on that you have to be mindful of. And wicked people who stand around with sinners or join mockers partake in some of this behavior. Now, I want to take you to Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32. And I want you to hear the tail end of this particular passage. And the beginning is just for context. Again, Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32, and it says this, Just as they did not think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do not do what ought not to be done. 
so they so that they do so that they do what ought not to be done verse 28 verse 29 they have become filled with every kind of wickedness evil greed and depravity they are full of envy murder strife deceit and malice they are gospelers slanderers god haters insolent arrogant and boastful this is my favorite they invent ways of doing evil they disobey their parents they have no understanding no fidelity no love no mercy although they know god's righteousness decrees that those who do such things deserve death they only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So when you want to talk about wickedness, right? The thing, the difference between ignorance and stupidity is ignorance is not knowing, not having a clue about things. And you're surrounding yourself around the wrong people, right? First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it says, bad company corrupts good behavior. It is essential and important that the people you surround yourself have to be like-minded iron sharpen iron if you have people that are like uh, that are not like-minded for your good then you're going to get people that encourage you and motivate you down a path that you don't want to be down and ultimately leads you down a path of doing things that are ungodly and that are wicked be very pay close attention to this this is the huge issue with the whole wickedness and people with the intent to see these things so i've given you some practical words and terms and i've given you some scripture let's move on to verse two it says but they who delight in the law of the lord meditated on meditate on it day and night and i think this is a very important passage because you know proverbs chapter four the title of it is get wisdom at any cost and it's interesting because i believe this is david writing to solomon and in this particular phrase here, I also can attribute this to being God writing to those, his disciples. And I want you to hear what it says here. Because again, verse 2 in Psalms 2 says, But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditated, meditating on it day and night. And this is also, I believe, a passage in the Old Testament that tells us, Let your eyes not depart for the word of God but meditate on it day and night. It's important because I want you to hear what it says here in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. And we're looking at this in the NLT and it says this. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23, NLT. My child, pay attention to what I have to say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to those to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of life. Interesting enough, David wrote a song. He says, I hide thy word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I hide thy word in my heart so I might not sin against you. So when you meditate on God's word, when things arrive, tells us this in Corinthians, 
1 Corinthians 10, you're able to fend off things. You're able to prevent the devil some seeping ideas in your in your mind, right? It says in scripture as well, not just to guard your heart, but the things that come in hold them captive. You hold them captive because you don't want to impact in your psyche, impact in what motivates you, encourages you. But instead, you want to make sure that it's not getting to you to the degree that you start acting on them. Not on purpose, but unintentionally. You know, it's important that we also bring up the passage of Luke chapter 11, verse 28, where he's having a conversation with a woman, and she says, Blessed is the woman that birthed you. And Jesus said, No, blessed rather is the one who hears my word and does what it says. And I love it in the Amplified Version because it really speaks to the fact that the most important thing that we have to continuously do when it comes to Scripture is we have to continuously allow it to do what is necessary. And that is changing. Let us not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2. It's because that's how things impact your thoughts, your attitudes, your actions, your motives. It's scripture. And if we're not doing that, then what are we really doing? Right? We're being distracted. We're having things come to us. And we're not being thoughtful about how we ought to behave as christian now i want to read to you this passage that i just told you i want to read to you it's luke eleven twenty-eight. i love what it says in the amplified version it says on the contrary blessed and happily favored by god are those who hear the word of god and continually observe it continually observe it that continually observing it matches pretty well when we go back to psalms Chapter 1, verse 2, where it says, But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Continually observing it can be transferred over to day and night. Beautiful. Let's go to verse 3. It says, They are like, it says, they are like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. And they prosper in all they do. So this is continuing from verse 2 about meditating on the law of the Lord day and night. And in verse 3 says, They are like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. And we know it's important that we don't give up. Harvesting, planting, farming is a process, right? Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Which means it's a process. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to stick to it. You got to stick through it. Things are going to get better. Things are going to change. Same thing with Matthew 7, 7. Asking you shall receive, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be open to you. The NLT says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Which means that the first time you don't stop. It's a continuous process. You have to show that your dedication to improving and to being better is relentless. And that comes with understanding that that's what the 
photosynthesis of a plant goes through when it comes to planting. Now, the first passage I thought about here is in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. That really aligns with what I saw in Psalms, chapter 1, verse 3. And all I'm doing is I'm showing you how what Psalms has done for me personally is that it's providing me, giving me a layout which then allows me to dive deeper in scripture that is very much formulated and related to Psalms, right? This means there are passages that complement one another and give you context. So I can read this and say, you know what? He's talking to Psalms 3. is talking about trees and planting and growing and bearing fruit. Now catch this. Gospel of John chapter 15 verses 1 through 8. And this is what it says. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am divine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Beautiful. Not much commentating that has to be expressed there. What Jesus is saying is very clear. That as branches, we have to remain in the vine so that we can bear much fruit. When we go back to the verse, and it talks about when you meditate on God's word day and night consistently, it says they are like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So long as we remain within the vine, we will continue to produce fruit. As long as we remain in relationship with Jesus Christ, we will continue to bear fruit. We will continue to elevate not just Christ, but the glory and honor that goes to the Father. You know, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, it says, Let your light shine before others so that you may glorify your Father in heaven. So the impact on how God blesses you for you to turn around and take the blessing that he has done for you, for you to bless others. It's almost like a domino effect when you think about it like that. Let's go to verse 4. Now it says, But not the wicked. They are like worthless shafts scattered by the wind. Now, I wanted to look at this in the Amplified Version, and it says also, The wicked, those who live in disobedience to God's law, are not so, but they are like shafted, worthless, and without substance, which the wind blows away. And it's interesting because it says not only because they live in disobedience, right, but they don't have substance. And one thing about having substance and the importance of having substance is to have value. And 
One of the examples that I thought about was in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. I want you to see why the advice that is provided here is necessary because when it comes to it surviving or being able to produce or to stand is based upon its substance value and how it is established. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 through 27 says, Everyone who hears these words of mine does them will be a wise man who built his house on rock. Strong foundation. Verse 25. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and it great was and, and great was the fall of it. Very simple. Why was it the fall of it? Because he didn't build his house on rock. He built it on sand. And when you're acting disobedience to God's laws, your substance, your value diminishes. It doesn't have the opportunity or the ability to sustain itself. And that's what I got out of this, right? The wicked and their works don't last. It's important to get that. The wicked and their works don't last long as a result of that. So, Let's move forward. Another passage I was thinking about was faith, right? Might be in the book of James, but I'll come back to it if it comes back to my mind. Okay, moving forward. Let's go to verse 5. It says, They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. So we know about this term condemned, condemned here. And that brought me to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. So, obviously, those who live by the wicked will be condemned. And they will experience judgment. Right? And it says, the sinner will have no place among the godly. Look what it says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him will not condemn, be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come to the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does not, who does evil hates the light and will not come into light for the fear of their deeds will be exposed. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So that term there about being condemned in Psalms 1 verse 5, they will be condemned at the time of judgment. Those who put their faith in Christ, you will not be condemned because you accepted Jesus Christ, which then shields you from the judgment that comes for those who've elected to follow another gospel or elected to search out 
truth elsewhere. And, you know, God allows you and gives you entitlement to do such things, right? Go ahead and search for truth. Go ahead and look for truth elsewhere. You're not going to find it. And the most important thing about morality is God is the author of morality, which means everything that stems from morality comes from God. One of the most important passages that I speak about all the time is that philosophy itself is a love of wisdom. Where do we get in the book of Proverbs? It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I always say that the word fear there is just reverence. To have respect for someone or something, in this case, it's God. So when you have respect and reverence for God, then you have access to the wisdom. And they're not mutually exclusive or diametrically opposed. You have access to the wisdom. And that's something that we shouldn't ignore. That's something that we shouldn't pay attention to. That's something that needs to be understood. That's something that we need to know about. Okay? Now, before we press forward, there is a passage that I wanted to bring about. Back to verse 4, but not the wicked. They are like worthless scatters. They are like worthless shafts scattered by the wind. And the first passage that I thought about was in James. James chapter 1, which speaks about something that we should be mindful of when it comes to faith. And it says this. Let's start at verse 6. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown, tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, unstable in all that they do. It's important that you understand that the, the person who has ascribed to be disobedient and not have substance is important to know that when it comes to having and placing your faith in God, there needs to be an understanding that the faith that you have in God must be legit. And what we get here in James chapter six, when it says, but when you ask, you must not, you must believe and not doubt, right? If you doubt, then it's like a wave being tossed or blown to and fro. That person should not expect to receive anything from God. Why? Because you don't have faith, right? The most important thing that you see in the gospels is that when the disciples were unable to cast out a demon, it had to do with their faith. They didn't have enough faith, right? Now, obviously, he, he then went to elaborate that there are certain demons that had to be cast out but it required different things like fasting those certain things to cast out certain demons but remember he said he said the faith that they need is just the size of a mustard seed why because it's very small but once it is full-blown and it's fed with the word of god it grows and explodes which means your faith over time improves as you continue to go through situations and circumstances because then your trust in God becomes overwhelmingly amazing due to your tests and trials. You become a tested person. And becoming a tested person means that you haven't seen anything that you already experienced. And if you've made it through, then you know that God has a plan and that plan is the one you want to trust in. 
So I want to bring that up because I didn't know at the moment what I was going to say, but I knew there was something missing when we were unpacking verse 5. So that leads me to the last verse here. Verse 6. Where it says, For the Lord watches over the path. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So let's address the first part. It says, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly. What we get in the gospel of John chapter 17, verse 12, it says, while I was with them, this is Jesus was speaking, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has, none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so the scriptures will be fulfilled. Now, this is Jesus talking about the relationship that he had with his disciples and how he kept them safe. But again, this is also reassurance as us as disciples that God will keep us safe as well. That doesn't mean things won't happen to us sporadically that God won't allow, but it's all due to the development of the character that he wants us to have so that we can be able to stand and remain standing, right? And this talks about the armor of God, right, in Ephesians about being able to stand against the devil's schemes because we know that revenge is not ours it belongs to god so god has never told us to go on the offense but to remain on the defense while he goes on the offense i also go to first john chapter 5 verse 18 again it's first john chapter 5 verse 18 and it says this i want to read it in the english standard and then in the nlt English Standard Version, then NLT. It says, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. NLT says, we know that God's, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. So we go back to the original verse. It says, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly. He does. He protects us. He looks after us. And the things that he does allow in is only to build our character for a greater purpose. God does not remove evil from the world, but he brings the good out of the evil that's presented. Finally, I want to talk about the other portion of the verse. And that is the wicked leads to destruction. And the one verse that comes to mind is Romans 6.23. And it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, that is his remarkable, overwhelming gift of the grace of the believers, is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So there needs to be an understanding that when it comes to living in sin, the response in Romans is that the wages of sin is death, eventually. So we can't ignore that. That's something we have to pay close attention to and not turn a, a deaf ear towards. So with that being said, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week and taking your time out to hear what was said in terms of the reflection that I had of Psalms chapter 1. And I hope that you continue to press forward into reading these things and unpacking it. And I'm looking forward to see who will want to be a partaker of this segment.
So, of course, we're going to close out in prayer and then we'll move forward. So that being said, no, we're not going to do a segment for something that Daniel normally does devotion. We're just going to close out in prayer because I've laid a lot before you. And I think it's important that you take the time out to reflect upon the things that I've shared with you today, because it is a mouthful. But the most important thing that I want you to understand is that scripture interprets scripture scripture that are there are scriptures that are provided to address a lot of different things and also to conform confirm certain things all right with that being said i'm going to close out in prayer now heavenly father lord in the name of jesus i just want to thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us to continuously fellowship with one another each week i hope that we can continue to grow and mature in your word See how your word applies to us daily. See how the word itself can be used, utilized to help us grow, to help us see the things that maybe we ignore, we don't pay close attention to, but then also how we need to be tight on some of these things and reminded of some of these things. As individuals, we tend to forget, but the important thing, Lord, is that your grace, your mercy is everlasting and therefore the things we don't think is necessary you continuously provide insight and understanding for us so that we can grow into accepting what we may not necessarily put of importance but it still matters i want to thank you so much for the listeners that are continuously listening each week it represents that they believe that there's some sort of value that comes from the truth of the matter is podcast lord it's important that people know that we don't grow in isolation, but we grow in community. And that the time that we spend studying your word improves our faith. It gives us an opportunity to stand, not only in the defense of it, but to be boldly in what we believe. And that shows in our character and our ability not to hide from who we are, but to embrace who we are. And more importantly, take who we are as individuals and continue to grow and you and the way that you shape mold us to who we need to be ultimately so that you can use us as instruments of righteousness and not wickedness lord we say these things in total confidence in who you are and we appreciate you and what you've been able to do for us and not just our relationship with you but also the relationship that we have with others lord we say these things in jesus name we pray amen